Hello there. And welcome to Babbling. With the boys. Uh, I'm Carlos Gervais. I just came back from having a having a nice fried rice lunch. It was just like fried rice and egg and sriracha sauce. That was all it did. All it was. A little bit too much sriracha sauce I put on. I had, to, I had some milk afterwards, but otherwise all good. My name's Spence the Chef. Just came back from a delicious Caribbean style lunch break with some, some fish cakes. Carson, you gotta be careful with that sriracha, my guy. It's like tame enough that you feel like you can go in for a couple more dabs. Mm-hmm. And then you ever done like that thing where like you realize how hot it is and your nose just like starts running? Oh yeah. Your eyes start going. My nose was running. Um and the thing was I also put like um bunch of seasoning on it too, so it was really like deeply seasoned and also like <laughs> and also sriracha and I was like, Whoa, there's a lot of stuff up in here. Um a lot of flavor. A lot of flavor to add to plain rice. Right to flavor town. I don't know why I did that, but it's uh that's out into the ether forever now. Um so today we're doing a top five. We we're, are. We're doing a top five of Netflix films. Netflix original films. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm jealous of those fish cakes, man. Guess, what was that? What? I'm jealous of you having those fish cakes, man. Oh, yeah, no, they they was they was tasty. Yeah. Love me some I don't think I've had much Caribbean food. I might have to I might have to come and <laughs> your house and, and raid all your food sometime. Raid oh you do. oh yeah, yeah. No, you come right on over, we'll fix you up something. Some, yeah. some curry goat, maybe. Ooh, curry goat. <laughs> some roti. Don't mind if I do. Yeah, you come over here and have like some chicken and rice. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Like classic white, like white people food. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what is what is the classic like white people food? I don't know. When I was a kid, we used to like, um, when I was a kid, we used to have these nice like white buns that what we do, we'd come in half and have like just craft singles on them and put them in the, put them in the oven. Craft singles? Craft singles on Craft singles? <laughs> put them in the oven and that would be like, that'd be like our dinner. Craft singles? Craft singles on white buns. That's awesome. Sometimes there'd be ham in craft singles. I feel oh, like wow. If you're lucky. Um what's the white what is white person food? Um I would say like barbecue chicken. Okay, yeah. Like chicken like just like plain chicken with barbecue sauce on it. And then like rice and corn. That's like that's that's white. That's why. Or, or potatoes. I feel potatoes. like it's potatoes. Yeah, I feel like potatoes. mashed potatoes or like right. steak and potatoes. Steak and potatoes. Um. What what's the classic like Caribbean Trinidadian food? Uh, I mean, you got to go with some like hot doubles 
or like like I said, like curry, curry go, roti, bus up shirt, which like that's <laughs> what it's called. I'm I can't even explain these foods to you. I just gotta like close your eyes and just pop it into your mouth. Sure. That you know what? Someone's gonna take that out of context and like just blind in twenty people. years I'll be like doing oh. something. You know, I'll be on the red carpet posing <laughs> and be like, Spencer says, close your eyes and I'll pop in your mouth. What? And then like my face looks, it's on the front cover of the magazine, all confused. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But anyway, back to the, back to the thing at hand. Today we're doing top five Netflix films. And I think it's pretty good because everybody's <laughs> kind of going, although Cineplex have kind of started to open and like Tenant is out. I'm not sure if I'm going to go see it yet. I I might see it tonight, but we'll see. Uh, well, I want to see if there's any cases that come out of the theaters. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be the guinea pig. I'll let you know if I'm if I'm dying yeah. from, from the virus. Um, but yeah, since we're all still kind of at home, still kind of doing our own thing. If you're if you really need that new that new stuff, just go on Netflix and look at these. Look at these beautiful Netflix originals that we got coming down, coming down the pike. Well, we got, I hope Mank gets on one of these lists. You hope? Um, The Netflix original that's going to come out soon, Mank. Oh, yes. No, that'd be nice. I mean. Yeah, directed by David Fincher. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I was just on a David Fincher binge this week. Ooh. What did you watch? Um, well, I started with uh, Seven. Oh, yeah. And then, okay, here's the thing. I'm just I'm going to come right out and preface my list with I'm an uncultured swine. And there's a lot of movies that I should have seen that I just didn't. Oh. Um, I never saw Zodiac. Oh. And I, I watched that and I was like... Oh, this is great. Like, this is amazing. Um, then I was like, I got to keep going. I this like, this dude's done so much. And um, I watched uh, The Social Network. I never saw that before. <laughs> I never saw The Social Network. Oh, I'm such scum. Oh, my God. I'm t- a terrible person. I just didn't get around to like when it came out i don't know i just wasn't interested and because i was like 10 and then (laughs) then i watched that and that's like while it's not as dark as like zodiac it's just a it's a it's emotionally dark you know and the the script is just on point then i watched the girl with the dragon tattoo i like that one as well um i i was really sad when they didn't make sequels to that one with Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara. Yeah. But um, back to... I didn't love Zodiac. And I haven't gone and revisited it. I didn't like... I wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like, everybody everybody thinks, said it was like the best David Fincher film. Yeah. But I'm not really sure about that. D- you and see, for me, for me, Zodiac was, was my favorite of the lot. Damn. Yeah. But Social Network, some people, some people have listed that as the number one film of 2010. I see that. I mean, not of 2010, of the 2010s, like of the whole decade. Wow. 
mm, I don't know about that. But it's it's one of those ones where it's like the script is so tight and the execution of said script is so tight. I've heard I've heard that it's like only forty percent accurate. But like, I don't really care. You know, I'm not watching a documentary. I just want to see a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, that's a really good film. But today we're not talking about David Fincher. Today we're talking about Netflix originals. Should we get into our number fives, man? Yeah. Um. Oh, before we get started, just so just in case you're new here, you know, you saw the title, thought it was interesting, said you'd check out these crazy cats. Um, yeah, we do our lists like this. We go from five to one of our favorite whatever we're listing. And then uh, let's say Carson goes first. I think you're going to go first today, by the way. I'm letting you do it. There you go. Uh, Carson will go first. He'll say his number five. We'll talk about it. Then I'll say my number five. And it just goes on like that down the list. Um, if Carson says a movie that's not on my list, I will say zoink. It's a zoink, which means it's just not on my list. And if he says one that's on my list, but it's like further down, then I'll stay check and we'll come back to it later down the list. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for laying out the, out the rules and let's get into it. Hit it. Um, so number five first. And number five. you want me to go first, right? Yeah. Hit me. All right. My number five, um, it might be one that's a little bit higher on some people's lists. I haven't gone back and rewatched it since it came out. So it's a little bit it's a little bit fuzzy in my mind, but I do still remember really enjoying this film. And it's Roma by Alfonso Cuarón. Okay. Yeah. I think I this is this is a zoink for me because I haven't seen it. This is what I was talking about when I I just I said there's one really big one that I just haven't seen. Okay. If I'm gonna, I'll try not to spoil anything, and I'll. I think we should try not spoil any of these for for the people. Yeah, because everyone can go and watch them like right now. But you know, one so... thing very clear in my mind about this film is that it's one of the best. It's one of the most beautiful films I've probably ever seen. Beautiful looking. Oh wow! Um, and it's kind of ironic because it's one of the few films that. I know people probably think like films don't really use, don't really shoot on film nowadays, but a lot of them, a lot of them still do. Like I was looking at a breakdown of um, the ones that were nominated for Oscars in um, 2018, I guess, at the 2019 Oscars, you'd say. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were using film and Roma was the only one that kind of had a purely digital shoot. Oh wow, which is surprising because of how beautiful it is. Um, we should. Pro- I feel like we should explain a little bit for people who aren't as um, avid in technical terms as we are. Um, there's kind of like a, a debate in the film world of digital versus film. Um, digital is kind of viewed as the the quicker and uglier way to shoot. If you shoot in film. Yeah, usually there's a little more um, texture, color, and life to what you're shooting, and it's yeah. kind of like uh, this this debate that people have, and a lot of the times people, especially if like you're a, a a cinematography snob, they like turn their nose up to to digital film. Which, if you look at Roma, you 
I don't think anybody can argue this is some of the most this is artwork. This is this is film as an artwork. The poster looks cool. The poster does look really cool and the <laughs> and when you I'm not saying that the story isn't as strong. I do really think the story is strong as well. It's kind of like this um area of life they don't really see much as a foreign language film. It's yeah. um, takes place in Mexico and it's um so calm so it takes its time to really like let you live in these characters lives like let you be in these characters lives like the like the maid kind of is just as like an onlooker right and then um as the plot unfolds it gets a little bit more like a little bit more tense at points and a little bit more you get a little bit more personal and connected with the with the family unit as she does and it's a very beautiful film wow okay i gotta check this out then i can't say it's i keep saying it's beautiful and yeah it is it's beautiful and i'm (laughs) And I need to rewatch it. Maybe if I rewatch it, it'd be higher on my list. But for now, I think five is just on visuals alone. It would make five. Okay. Okay. I got to check this out then. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely, man. Check it out. Fair enough. What is your number five, Spencer? All right. Um. So my number five was originally going to be Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I looked into it. It's not really a Netflix like original, as in this is a film that already came out and was made, and then Netflix just kind of picked up the distrib- distribution right after it had already been released in theaters. So for that reason, I just didn't count it because really, it's not really a Netflix original. It's just that it's on Netflix. Is <laughs> essentially the only correlation. Um, Carson's giving me a look like it may be on his list later on. <laughs> So I'll take, like, if someone considers it a Netflix original, I think it's fair game. It's just for me, it didn't. And if I did consider it a Netflix original, then it would have been on the list. But anywho, we'll cross that, obviously, when it's on your list later down the road. It just makes Um, the list a little bit more diverse. Yeah. Um, So I picked the 2017 film Roxanne Roxanne uh, for my number five. You probably haven't heard of this. Maybe you have. I well, I've heard of it. I it came up and I was like, "Oh, that's my girlfriend's thing." What? <laughs> and then I just didn't, I just didn't watch the film. I, I, I looked at it for like a hard while, but I, I didn't, I didn't end up taking the time. Okay. So it's a zoink for Carson. Fair enough. Um, why do I like this film? Um, if if you know me, then you know I'm like an avid hip hop historian. Like I love hip-hop from its invention to like what they're making now there's not a type of hip-hop i don't enjoy um and this cover this is a biopic so it covers roxanne shantae which was like she was this like teenage battle rapper in the early 80s hip-hop scene in queens new york um and she just was like she was like literally like 15 16 years old just like battle rapping um and it's a biopic it's dirt who's it 
it's directed by Marco Larnell. My, Michael Larnell? Michael Larnell? I think I that's his name. I don't know. I, I think his last name's Larnell, but I who knows? I don't know. My pronunciation of stuff sucks. Uh, it stars uh, Shante Adams, um, has Mahershala Ali in it, and Nia Long. But yeah, so this movie already hits like a huge chord in me, which is like early hip hop. So I'm already in, I'm already in for the ride. I already knew who Roxanne Shante was. Um, so I was already in for this like ride, and the story is pretty compelling. But for me, it was fun to see like all of these like other great these who would become great rappers and kind of how they're portrayed in this movie like biz Marquee, there's an actor who plays like biz Marquee, and i'm pretty sure big daddy kane there's like an actor who plays him and then there's like a cameo at the end of the movie where like Nas is a kid because he grew up in queensbridge mm. and like she's like oh you know keep working on your rhymes you'll be something one day or something like that one of those and you're like that's it's like what's your name it's like nazir and you're like oh <laughs> so for just like for the history alone i'm already like loving this movie and then the acting's really well done too the story's compelling um so yeah this this is my number this is my number five cool man i have not seen it but um give, give I, it a look if you're curious yeah i'll definitely put it on my on my list of films to watch on my um the one thing with netflix films i feel like you add it to your list and then you're like, you kind of skip over it because you know it's always going to be there because it's a yeah. original. So it's kind of it's kind of hard for that. But I'll definitely add it to my list of, of stuff to check out. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, should we get into our number four? I think we should. All right. Number four. Um, my number four is one that you alluded to earlier. It's Uncut Gems. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, and it's so good. It's so good. It it's very it's everything that you hear. It's overwhelming with its um like the anxiety it gives you where it's like um it has all of the actors kind of talk over each other. Yeah. In this kind of weird way and it's really gives you a feel of like actual dialogue. Like actual yeah. dialogue wherever um that you see on the when you're just talking to people but it also does stuff with the framing like you i feel like you never in every shot there's always like something kind of dirtying the frame a little bit like something somebody um dirtying the frame is another is another term by the way it just kind of means there's something kind of obscured in the foreground of um a shot just to kind of create depth Mm -hmm. back to what Carson was saying. Yeah. It kind of creates this depth and you feel like kind of trapped the whole film. It's very claustrophobic. Yeah. It's claustrophobic. And like with the shooting, it's like anxiety written with its overlapping dialogue. Um, It's, it's uncomfortable, but like in the best way, it reminds me of kind of like, you know what, just thinking about this, 2019 was one hell of a year for cinema. Because I was just, I'm about to compare it to Joker, which also came out in 2019. But it's the same kind of like, there's a lot of scenes in this movie where you're not sure if you should just laugh or uncomfortably cry. Like, you're like, I, 
I don't know. This is pretty intense. I. <laughs> it's like it creates this like illusion of the camera follows him as if like you're his friend, you know, like you're just yeah. hanging out with him, and you, and you really there. don't want to be his friend. Like you, you really, really don't want to. You just really want to be like, guy, stop, stop this now. <laughs> like he needs milk. Some decisions that he makes. Yeah. Have you crawling up the wall being like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Especially like the last 25 minutes of the movie. Like out loud, I literally was like, no. And I think this is probably one of the best performances by Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Um, Adina Menzel's in the film. She's pretty good. Uh, Adil Danzim. Uh, the weekends in the film. The weekend. Adam Sandler fights the weekend. You should see it just for that. There's a fight scene between Happy Gilmore and the weekend. If that doesn't sell you on the film, I don't know what will. There you go. And I don't know who the basketball player is, but he does a really good performance. Oh, it's uh, Kevin Garnett, right? Yes. He does a really good performance for like a athlete turned. Well, I guess he's kind of turned actor now. I'm not sure if this is his performance or not, but he does a really good job. I think what well, what's cool about him and this is they were apparently they were pushing around the script for a while, and they mm-hmm. had like different athletes pegged because they're gonna like write this around uh, different teams. Um, at the times they were writing it, right? Because like it's a real thing that happened. Like these are real games that they're mm-hmm. cutting to. So they have to write whenever they were writing it or rewriting the script, whatever year they were writing it in, I'm pretty sure that was like the team that they would base the movie around. Because the, the the sport of basketball is really important to kind of the story of this movie. Mm-hmm. So I think once they finally like locked down the script and this was the team, like they had to ask him to do this. And it's a chance because you don't know if like acting just because you play basketball or like or in commercials doesn't mean you're necessarily a good actor. But it, it worked out for them. And I'm really excited to see what the Safety Brothers does next. I really liked Good Time, which came oh, out good. a little bit earlier with um Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Um that was also on Netflix for a while. But I'm really excited to see what they do next. This directing duo, they've impressed me so far. So, yeah. Spencer, what's your number four? What's my number four? Well, sir, um, my number four is the Five Bloods. Okay, that's that's a zoink. That's a zoink. Yeah. Honorable mention. Um, a good good honorable mention. Um, I I wasn't sure. Like where if I wanted this on the list, um, until I kind of thought about it, and it's to me, it's like it's like a a reverse Stand by Me. That's what I've realized this movie is. Um, Stand by Me is kind of like almost the death of innocence, oh. with through like the eyes of children and kind of like a coming of age thing. This is more like. Um, these people who are kind of coming to terms with the end of their lives yeah, and kind of reconciling the past. And um, on top of that, you also have Spike Lee, who somehow always seems to make a film that's just like right on the pulse of America. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like just kind of what's always he always seems to make films that are directly coinciding with what's going on. Oh, yeah. Um, this could have been made like today and like released on the same day, and it would make sense because there's a lot of you know statements on race and culture and stereotypes and just for that reason i had to put it on the list plus um the performances are great you know um we have the late great chadwick boseman in there uh playing storm was it storm and norman something like that yes yeah, then of course then there's delroy lindo and if he doesn't get nominated for best supporting actor this year then he got robbed he did. He did. He's the one that's kind of more the the character that's more like Republican leaning. Right. That's him. Yeah. Wow. Like that's a that was a powerhouse of powerhouse of a performance. Like later in the film, like even the beginning, he was really good. But later in the film, he just takes it to a new level, and it's just really intense and really scary at some points even. This this movie um has some of the most like I'm usually pretty I, I have a high threshold for what the hell. You know? Mm-hmm. Like my threshold for what the ass is going on is pretty high. And there's even a couple like images and moments in this film where I was like, whoa, like <laughs> holy. Okay. I guess we're doing that today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Some of them involving like real footage that actually happened during like Vietnam, and that stuff's always disturbing because you know it's real and that actually happened. And then there's, a, I won't spoil it because we're trying to keep this spoiler free. But there's a there's a definitely a turning point in the film where you're like, that's where we're going now. Okay, um, so for that reason, I, I like the guts it has. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a joke in there if you've seen the movie, and if you haven't, <laughs> you're probably just like, "What?" But it, yeah, it does definitely have guts, and it is definitely on the pulse of America right now. Um, I did have a couple issues with it. No, yeah, like, yeah. Well, just like things that I didn't really like of the of the filmmaking of it, like some right. of the beginning scenes are a little bit. Like they kind of drag a little bit, and some of the there are some others. Like it's not, it's not as coherent as a film as I would have liked. Right. Um. But when it gets to the later later parts of the film, it's really good. I totally agree with you. I think the beginning um could lose about twenty minutes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think once it gets to about the halfway point and it starts cooking, like it's it's firing on all cylinders. I have no problem with it, but I do think the beginning's a little drawn out, and I'm like, mm, I think we could cut twenty minutes mm-hmm. from it. Um, and then, but yeah, other than some some pacing stuff, and I know uh, some people didn't really like the aspect ratio change. That's that's. This divisive. Um, I didn't. It didn't bother me personally, but I think you said uh, John didn't like it. Oh yeah, um, from from film school, yeah, from film school. Um, but it didn't really bother me that much. Although, when they're in, when they're doing that other, the like more modern 
aspect ratio, like the, um, what the, like, 1080 by 19, whatever it is, whatever that is. Um, Wait, 1080? Wasn't that the pixels? Hmm? Isn't that, like, the def- the definition of the... Well, I don't know. I don't. Whatever know. the aspect ratio. The, the aspect, aspect ratio. ratio. Yeah. Um, it does kind of look like at the beginning of the film when they're arriving at the hotel. It kind yeah. of looks. I was like, this kind of looks like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> like it kind of. Yeah. Until they get into like the the actual jungle, mm-hmm. like some of the other stuff. I'm like, it's like BT something <laughs> like. <laughs> This is this the new edition movie? Y'all try to make a sequel. I didn't see the Bobby Brown one. You almost got me. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I do still really like the film. They're just it Netflix, when you look at it, when you actually like go and make the effort and look at their original catalog, they got some good stuff on there, man. They do. So good that uh you may have to check out our number three spot over here. Uh, well, I mean, we record in a different segment, but you know what I mean? Like, right now, you're not going to hear that we stopped it. We're just going to be like, number three. And you're going to be like, oh, wow, they recorded all in one take. And we're going to be like, yeah, the magics of editing. Mm-hmm. Number three. Number three. Um, I'll start us off. My number three... I'm not sure if you've seen it or have heard of it, but it's called To the Bone. The bones are the same size. Where is that? What? What is it? It's a zoink, but I don't, I don't even know what it is. Um, it's a film starring Lily Collins. Classic um, Lily Collins. And as Keanu Reeves in it as well. Wait, what? It's Keanu. Mr. Keanu Reeves is in a film and I don't know? Yeah. Um I'm looking this up right now. Okay. Is dealing with like a pretty severe case of anorexia in the film. Mm. And it's it explores places that you don't really that you don't really see much in film. Like this kind of these kinds of conditions you don't really see in film. Right. Very it's very effective and it's very it's a hard watch but it's also like quite funny and quite um it's got like really dark humor <laughs> <laughs> but it you can really relate to these characters because i think everybody's been in that situation where you don't think um that you think you're doing worse than everybody else. You think that nobody else feels the way that you feel inside. Yeah. And Lily Collins having to deal with that kind of, um, that kind of journey of discovery to see that people are actually there for you. People do actually care for you. And if you say what you're feeling, maybe some people have gone through the same type of things. And yeah, I just remember this being very effective, very, um, a, like a brilliant blend of um, comedy and and just dark drama and going to some 
places that um, you wouldn't expect a film to really delve into, but they delve into. And it, I think at some points it's even uplifting. Wow. Okay. Um, and it also has Alex Sharp as like kind of the love interest. And he's also dealing with um, an eating disorder. I think it's, I think it might also be anorexia, but I'm not sure. Um, but he's very, he's one of the main comic reliefs. Keanu Reeves also plays like the, the doctor that um, kind of runs this business of going to this like right. house, people who are dealing with the same type of things. Um, and he's really funny in the film. And it's directed by Marty Noxon. Marty Noxon. Um, she was a producer on like Buffy the Vampire. <gasps> and... Oh, I instantly am going to watch it. Oh, I love my Buffy, man. <laughs> I love my Buffy. Um, and just what, just looking at the list that I have, it just really makes me think. Oh my gosh! Netflix really has a diverse group of of filmmakers that really bring new perspectives out to the out to the world. And this is a perspective that you don't don't really see in film, but it's effective nonetheless. Okay. I think Lily Collins could have Lily Collins. Looking at I looked back at the Oscar nominations, Lily Collins could have been up there. Really? She's that good? She's that good. Just to confirm, this is the uh, this is the actress in um, Mirror Mirror, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mirror Mirror. This film came out in 2017, by the way. Okay, so it's pretty recent. Pretty recent, yeah. Like okay. all Netflix films. This is true. <laughs> Welcome to the to the stupidity that is my face. Um, what is your number three, Spencer? Well, <laughs> my my number three. Oh, uh, if I didn't say it before, obviously, uh, obviously, to the bone is a zoink for me because I I've never seen it. Um, I suck. I really gotta watch more movies. Um, number three for me is Dolomite is my name. That's a zoink. That was another close one. That was like up there, like six, seven, like. Oh yeah. Eating for the for the final spot, but I decided to put Roma on there because. Yeah. But yeah. Go ahead. Um. Yeah. So if you don't know this one, this one came out last year. It's directed by Craig Brewer, uh, it's starring Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore, and the reason I like this so much is it's essentially. It's a filmmaker's film, you know? Like, it's like... I like I like it so much because it's really just about this guy who really wanted to do something and everyone told him he shouldn't or couldn't or can't do it. And he was like, I'm going to make a movie um, and I'm doing it. And that's the end of it. And he cobbled together this, like, black exploitation film. Um, but there's just like so much like heart and passion into it. It's just pure filmmaking, right? It's like 
there's no real studio bullcrap or like any no big names interfering with your final product because of the bottom line it's just these people who had almost nothing to work with making a film um and once if you've seen uh, the actual film because this is a biopic so if you've seen the actual film dolomite uh it just gives like a new layer to to that film um so for that reason just for like the heart alone uh, that movie's up there for me and you know of course eddie murphy is is really is really good in the role of Rudy Ray Moore. Like he he does a lot, um, you know, because th- this 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 person, this real life person, is kind of larger than life, you know. And he has a really good way of humanizing this guy. I I love the like rhyming, <laughs> the rhyming style of comedy that he does. Yeah, the the prelim to rap music yeah a lot of a lot of rappers will cite like this especially like early on in kind of rap's history will cite this as inspiration yeah i'm sure grandmaster flash was perfectly influenced by by dolomite um yeah furious five probably pumped this um yeah i love that i think uh wesley snipes is in this it's it kind of felt like a return for a lot of these guys too, you know? Because, like, Eddie Murphy hasn't been in the spotlight as much. Um, after, And he, in the 80s, he kind of went through a period where he, like, ruled the world. Oh, um, so it was nice to see him back. Um, and, of course, Wesley Snipes, we don't see much of him either that much anymore. But, yeah, this one, this one just kind of spoke to me because it's like, I understand, I guess, when you're just trying to get something done on like this shoestring budget and kind of the antics that go on backstage, it's both funny and inspiring and, and harrowing. And yeah, it's, that's my number three. Yeah. I, I loved Eddie Murphy's performance in that. That was probably one of my favorite performances I've seen of Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Um, another great film from 2019. Yeah. What a good year, wasn't it? What a good year, man. Um, should we get into our number dos? Okay, things get tight now. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Okay, so now we're on to number two. My number two um, is a film I actually watched for this list. It was um, one that I hadn't seen before. And it had always been on, like, the top of my list for the Netflix originals, and I hadn't got to it. But I finally did, and it's Mudbound. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I watched that uh, just a couple months ago. Is it on your list? Why? I can't spoil that. Oh, wait, I guess I have to. It's a zoink. Um, <laughs> but, no, I I watched that couple months back with my with my parents and uh it's pretty good it uh, i honestly uh, forgot that it was a netflix original i'm not gonna lie (laughs) it's good though it's really good like it it paints the picture of these two families um one of uh jason clark's character who's like this um kind of like middle upper class um 
white guy who who wants to buy a farm and he like has this he you see him meeting his wife and falling in love with his wife and then and this is like back in the 40s back in the 40s like 19 yeah 1940 to like the end of the war kind of thing to a little bit after and the end of the war yeah um and his brother goes off to war and it's kind of like these three within that family it's like these three characters one of them um one of them like wants how do i how do i phrase this what the dad is like he's awful he's the most like racist person you can you can see in a movie and he's he's played by hickey from community i know what's the actor's name again I don't I don't know the actor's name, but he he's like this awful human. And then there's his brother who comes back from the war and and really gets this bond with um the family of family of the farmhand who um, yeah. whose son went to war and they kind of bond over war stories, um and he's black. And then there's Jason Clark's character, who is just, he kind of just lets whatever racist thing that is, that is the, the thing of the day, like, happen. He doesn't really, he doesn't really do anything about it. <laughs> I like that. The thing. Today's letter of the day yeah. is racism. Like he's, like he's nice to people? Yeah. Black people should go out the back door or whatever. Yeah, he's like he's not as bad as the dad, but he's but he doesn't like help. He just kind of stands idly by, if not encourages it. Yeah, and there's so there's that family, the farming family, and then there's the farmhand family who, um, the father and the mother and the and the son who was off at war, and. You live with them. You really get to know them inside and out. You hear like their inner monologues. You hear their thoughts, their feelings, their fears. And you really get to just sit with them and really absorb the world. And part of you, yeah. th- of course, it's racist and it's 1940. But there's this part of you that's like is something gonna happen something gonna happen to this family somebody gonna there's tension that just builds there's tension there's like a built-in tension and the places that it goes is some of the some of the most hard to watch stuff I think I've seen on film yeah yeah, um, like, again, I'm the type of person who's, like, my threshold for what the hell is pretty high. Um, and I'm not, I, we won't spoil anything, but I know what you're talking about. When it got to that particular part, I was, like, <laughs> I felt just disgusted. And um, I've never been more happy to see a character get what's coming to them. I won't say anything, but. I've seen the movie, you know what I mean? Um, 
in the um I like the the way the film goes like the the um kind of like semi non-linear nature of it yeah that kind of sneaks up on you um and it has some really really poetic narration like people are like oh narration is a crutch that screenwriters lean on but no this is poetic and it's deep and it's gives you a whole it doesn't just give you oh i know this about the character just from them doing these certain things they give you information about the characters that you would not know either otherwise well the reason i think the reason they do that is because it's based on a book um by hillary jordan and narration in film i think if it's used right i don't have a problem with it and i think the the way this film ends you kind of needed to like it's actually plot implemented like you wouldn't be able to understand what this person was feeling if it didn't have narration for reasons that the plot provides um yeah so i think it's kind of necessary for this particular story mm-hmm. and i really liked um I don't know, it just affected me, man. Maybe because of like the me seeing it this recently, maybe that's why why I have like such a such a need to put it way high on the list, but it was really good. Came out in twenty seventeen and directed by another female director, um D D Rees. Yeah. D Rees. And she um I think before this, I think her kind of only claim to fame was kind of I think she directed some Empire episodes. Oh, really? I've never seen Empire, but I um, that was a directing credit that I saw on IMDb. That was like the one that was like that stands out among the rest for for bringing her up to where she is. And I think I'm not sure how old she is, but. I'm excited to see the next film that she does. Fair enough. Yeah, this was well done. Mm-hmm. What is your number two, Spencer? I see. My number two is a little more, a little more conventional. I'm glad you went a little outside of the box with that one. Um, but my number two is The Irishman, which is a zoink for Carson, right? That that's a zoink for me, actually. Okay, I'll I'll explain why. It's at my number two, but I would love for us to talk about why it's not on the list for you. I'm not upset. I was just, I'm just curious. Um, so for me, I'm obviously, if you don't know this film, then apparently you uh, weren't a film student. But uh, last year, uh, Martin Scorsese came out on Netflix with his his new epic, uh, the The Irishman, and he had oh, he brought all my boys back. He brought all my boys back. Pacino, Pesci, and De Niro. All in one film. Oh, I just, I wish I could hug him. Just mm, give him a hug. Um, yeah, so this, this story kind of follows the character of like Frank um, from like the 50s until essentially his, his old age. Um, even though he's being played by someone who's in their 70s. 
um, throughout his entire timeline. But they used the big thing of this film was they use like de aging technology, um, and it kind of falls his introduction to the Buffalino crime family and then his eventual involve, involvement in uh, the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, yeah, for me, this one is like. I would, it's not, I don't even think it's a, it's not what was, what I was expecting. When it comes to Scorsese, um, I expect, and especially when it's like these, you know, kind of loose biopics and it's a crime movie and a mafia movie, there's like, I'm expecting Goodfellas all the time um, when I hear that from him. I'm expecting like casino levels of, of entertainment. And what I got was this like really slow burn character study that I wasn't expecting, but I enjoyed it just the same. Um, and I think the standout performance in this for me was was Joe Pesci. Um, you know, for an actor who has mostly disappeared over the last 20 years and whose roles before this were kind of known for being a little, he always played like a character that was a little more energetic. A, a little crazy, a little, a little crazy. What, what's uh, can my dance funny, for me, Spider? You know, uh, my funny, my funny part. Well, my clown? I'm here to amuse you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so to see him kind of like play this character and say so much without saying anything, and. Uh, yeah, I just, I stir, and what's crazy, this movie is three and a half hours long. Like, it's long as hell. Um, I feel like the reason I like this movie, some people may not like this movie because of its length. When I think about it, I don't think I would actually take anything out of it. And the reason I enjoyed it, despite how long this crazy thing is, is because I watched it in parts. Uh I would watch, I would watch about an hour to an hour and a half. And then I'd go take a break and do something else. And then I'd come back to it. Um, just to kind of... And it, it took away all the feeling of, like, antsiness. And every time I came back to it, I was ready to see more. Um, if you haven't seen it before, I would recommend doing it like that. Because I I could understand if you watch this in one sitting. That it's a little... It's a little much to take in. That's three and a half hours long. Like, that's, that's a lot. I get it. Um... For me, though, the way I watched it and the way I took it in, it didn't really bother me. There's nothing I would take out of it. And the last hour 40 or 45 minutes-ish of this film uh, was excellent. It was, it was really good. Um, anyway, but I, what I'm really curious about is to see uh, what Carson thought of it. It's like right up there. It's like number... It's number six. I kept thinking I should put this on the on the list, but I'll be like, I can't. I didn't love it the first time I watched it. I went and watched some um, some people kind of analyze it, and some people um, like the Cinefix video of like why it's structured the way it is, right, and. It is kind of good, fellas, for that first two hours. It is. It's. It kind of has the uh, the quicker pace and the 
the reflect the reflection kind of narration and introductions of yeah. scenes and characters. But but then it slow downs and becomes this reflective piece of this is an old man who um is full of regret. Yeah. Really powerful in that way. But the the length did do a little bit of did a little bit of damage on me. Fair I did enough. watch it all in one sitting. Yeah. Um and the the CGI kind of stuff did kind of take me out a little bit. There's sometimes or what took me out is like when you see this young face, but they're moving like old men because it's old men playing these kids, and you're like, and then sometimes the CG was it's not great. I think as close as we get, the closer we get to like making CG become reality, I'm realizing really technically it's actually impressive and it looks amazing. But the problem is our eye is always trained to see like what is wrong with this picture, you know? And like, there's just practical is always going to look better than CGI. It just is when it's right there in front of me and it's tangible and I feel like I can grab it. It's just going to, it's going to hold my attention no matter how great your CGI is. That's just the, that's just the, the at the end of the day, that's what it is. Um, I really want to, as soon as it was done, my initial reaction was like, oh no, I'm going to have to rewatch this. Because <laughs> it's quite deep and as like, um, and I feel like watching it a second time through would be maybe put it higher on my list. And maybe watching it as I grow older will put it higher on my list. I think it will age like a fine wine. I agree. But for right now, it is right at that number six, number seven area. Yeah, no, I totally understand what you mean. Um, I feel like there is a piece to this type of film where it's very much almost, while, yeah, what's happening is, like, pretty crazy. Like, it's a pretty big event in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, whether you want to debate the the fictionalization of it or not, because really, like I said, I'm not, I'm not here looking for a, you know, a documentary. I, I want to watch a good movie. Um, but I feel like there is like this kind of this undertone of life and reflection that I'm too young to fully get the ra- the grasp of yet. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I think I'll have to wait till and review this as time passes, and I kind of have a little more age behind me and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's our number twos. Should we go to our number one? I think we should. All right, baby. You know it. Number one. Number one. Ooh. Do your shoulders like this. Ooh. He's doing shoulders like this. Do your shoulders like that. Ooh. Oh, he's doing shoulders like that. Hmm. All right. Um, number one. I'll go first. Please. Wait, do you want to do it at the same time? As per tradition? Sure. Sure, let's do it at the same time. Okay. Three, two, one. Ma- Marriage story. story. Oh! Oh! Yes! Oh! Mama! 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 
She says hi. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mrs. Fleming. Um, so, both of our number ones are marriage story. Oh, that's perfect. That's beautiful. It is, isn't it? What a beaut of a, beaut of a film. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying, in terms of, like, crying during movies, there's only... Father-son stuff gets me every time because apparently, I don't know why, it just does. Um, which is why I haven't watched The Pursuit of Happiness in four years. But um, other than that, I can count on, like, one hand the amount of times I've cried in a movie that's not father-son related. Mm-hmm. Okay? We have Toy Story 3. Toy Story 4. Although there was some other external stuff that was going on with me that just kind of led to it and I got emotional. Um... And then Marriage Story. I cried like a minx. Like I was, I, I was weeping. Oh yeah, me too. And it wasn't the thing was it wasn't tears of sorrow or happiness. It was like tears of every emotion. Oh yeah. Um. These are two of the best performances. I think this will go down as two as two of the best performances. Like two combi- com- combating performances that are of the best, like a duo performance. A duo perform, but it's also like an opposing performance. Yes, it's literally this is probably the most realistic look I've ever seen at life and relationships. That that is damn true. These felt like they took two actors who are part of pretty big franchises. Most actors are part of a franchise that size will be typecast in that role. When I like when you see Tobey Maguire, you will see Spider-Man mm-hmm. no matter how well he's doing. This is an example of like they took Black Widow and friggin Kylo Ren. And I believed that they were getting a divorce and that they were these two people. And when I didn't, when the film didn't want you to want something to happen, you didn't want it. When you, like this film literally had me on like puppet strings, my emotions were just on these strings, and it's pulling, and I'm dancing in all sorts of ways. I I think you're touching you're touching on it in a very comedic way, but I think you're touching on something that is really important. People say when they go out of a bad film, um. A film they don't like, they said that kind of felt manipulative. You know, people say that as like a thing as that's wrong with a film. <clears throat> but really, what they're saying is that they failed to manipulate me. That's the thing. When someone says it's like you can see, I I define it as when you can see the strings that they're trying to pull. Mm-hmm. This, this one, the strings are completely invisible. Seamless. It is melded with this. One of probably, oh, I love the script. Like all of the dialogue, all of the the um, progression of the of the plot. How it begins with them like reading the letters to each other. Well, not reading the letters to each other, just like of their letters. Yeah, it's like these letters of love, and it's just like you see exactly who they are in those first little bit through the eyes of the people that they love. 
it, it you see exactly who you are, who they are, sorry, and it like takes you on a journey um through their relationship kind mm-hmm. of and it's to me this is right up there with like the opening to up where it's like not a very long amount of time for them to get a pretty broad point across but like you said like it perfectly explains to you everything you need to know about these people before getting into this film so eloquently and it's of course there's the fight scene that is like the fight scene it makes it sound like it's a kung fu movie but like the fights like the scene of them having the argument that hurt me it well it hurt everyone they went to places that you i i hope i never have that kind of fight with anybody like it oh cuz it's it's such like it's a fight, but it's because at the, you would at any at, at a lesser film, this would end with these two getting back together in a lesser film. And this fight, it's like this is why they're broken up. At the same time, you don't want them to be broken up, but you see why they're broken up. At the same time, they somehow make neither of them the villain. Like, both of them are just as right as the other one. And you're like, oh, geez. And when they say that, like, hard-hitting stuff to each other, it literally feels like you were saying it and having it said to you. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you're having it said to you. It's... It touched on a lot of, like, it had these characters who weren't just like who weren't just film characters like you've you look at their their mannerisms and their small little things that they have the small little grievances that they have with each other and you can see that reflected in either a relationship they've had or in other people's relationships like it's not a lot of the times, it's not the big things. It's the small little, the little things, the little daggers that, over time, that ruin something. And yeah, it's it's a fantastic film, and beautiful. It, like shot beautifully, it looks beautiful. It's the uh, thing about it is like. It's shot beautifully, but it, it, there's nothing actually pretty in it. It's, For the most part, this is like the most mundane settings. It's simplistic. It's simplistic. Yeah. And it's um, shooting style and it's display of everything. It feels tangible. Yeah. It doesn't feel, uh, it doesn't feel like a set or a, anything like that. It feels like each person's house yeah the the thing that comes up to mind to me um I, you've probably heard this quote before i don't know where it originated from but i've heard this said like a lot of times um just about art like an observation about art it's kind of saying like good art um comforts the disturbed and disturbs the uncomfortable and discur- disturbs the comfortable i butchered that quote but it's like that's how i felt with this one because it's like i haven't necessarily 
had something fall apart with another person that epically yet. You know, where it's like, you've gone from this place to there. So it disturbed me, but also was kind of like, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't like heavy handed with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of ends in a way where I'm both depressed, but also kind of like, this is for the best at oh. the same time. And it's like, I don't know. I felt like I got a divorce. Like, that's honestly what I was like, Jesus. You know, when I when they were in court, I was in court. You know, I was like, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm sweating. And great supporting characters as well. Like, um, good Laura job Dern. part of Laura, Laura Dern. Laura yeah. Dern won the Oscar for her um her portrayal in this one. That uh, uh that monologue that she has mm-hmm. um about like kind of the differences between husbands and wives and mothers and the expectations yeah. was brilliant. It was really good. And like Jared Leto's in this not Jared Leto. The Ray Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Um Ray Liotta's in here. And the guy from MASH. What? There's a the guy, guy from MASH in this? The main guy from MASH. I think that's his name. No. What? The main guy from MASH is the is the first lawyer that um Adam no. character gets. What? I'm looking this up. No. I, was I asleep? What? Alan Alda's in this movie? Mm-hmm. What he is? Oh, what the heck? Oh no, I just didn't recognize him. Yeah, because he's old. Yeah. Holy crap, Hawkeye's in this. In this, but he's a very like definitive voice. You know what? Fair enough. I'm I'm a sick person. Apparently, there's a lot of comedy in here too. Like there is drama. It's. It's, it feels like real life. Yeah. It feels like real life. Stamp. There we yeah. go. Full stop. Um, Just before we wrap this up, do you have a favorite scene from this movie? Well, the scene that I cried the most is when um, Adam Driver finds the letter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my... I'm going to say that's my favorite scene. What's your favorite scene? Okay, so um, I almost was going to say the social worker scene. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. That, that was so unfortunate. <laughs> um, but I think the scene that kind of encapsulates Adam, Drive, at Adam Driver's character is the uh is is the scene where he starts singing that song from company being alive um at that bar yeah and like what became like this like little piano guy and he's just kind of riffing off of it slowly kind of became becomes the story of his life as he's singing this song and like it's it's dawning on him like the more passionate he gets with with this song that it's like you know, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, he's singing, but 
um, the performance with his face is like telling a story in itself. That um, that would be so hard to do as an actor, like to go yeah. like sing karaoke and have it be like the. It's all one take. Like it's. That's, yeah. That's um. I think I think that's my favorite scene. If we're going by scenes that made me cry, I would um. I we're, I'm trying not to like spoil big points of this this is just kind of scene breakdowns but uh she t- when she ties his shoe that's all i'll say i won't say where it takes place oh yeah it. for some reason that just like brought it all together for me and i just started like bawling my eyes out oh, yeah i'm i was thinking so honorable mentions now i was thinking you were gonna do Maybe Beasts of No Nation. That was the other one I was thinking of. That was that's like another honorable mention for me. Mm-hmm. That's one that would have been probably in my top ten. Um, um, what are some other honorable mentions you got? Like I said, Uncut Gems is in there just because I wasn't sure if I should count it as a Netflix original because it's only really an original by name. Mm-hmm. Um. It's another thing. This one isn't a movie, but it's a Netflix original like miniseries that I found was really fun, and I recommend people checking it out. It's canceled now because I guess not enough people watched it, but it was good. That's called The Get Down. Oh yeah, um, that that's really fun. It's not on my list because it's not a movie, but the Boz Lerman. Boz Lerman. Oh, we didn't say by the way, but the director of Marriage Story was uh, Noah Baumbach, who also did. The Squid and the Whale. That's a really good film. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen the Mer- 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 Merowitz story. Merowitz Chronicles? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. But um, that's also another Netflix original, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there was... A, I feel like I'm missing a big one that he did. <clears throat> um, look, look it up and I'll... Yeah, I'll, I'm going to his IMDb. It's about some more honorable mentions. Um, as far as documentaries, Icarus and 13th. Those are two that almost made it. Um, Netflix original documentaries. Yes. Um, let's see. Barry almost made it. Barry, a Ooh, film. Barry, Barry would be up there as well. Mm-hmm. Film about Barack Obama when he was a young lad. Old. Really interesting, my goodness. Um, um. Oh, Fran- Francis Ha. Yes, Francis Ha. That's what I'm missing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a really good film too with Greta Gerwig. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um. Any more honorable mentions you got? Um. I feel like you just covered most of them. I'm trying to think now. Uh, it's not even really on the same level as what we were just talking about, but I thought it was like fun for what it was. Um, I checked out like Extraction a little while ago. Oh yeah. Um, for an action movie, it definitely has some really inventive scenes. Like the story itself isn't anything to write home about, but there's literally like an action scene that's like a 15 minute long um wonder. Ooh. Um, and it's I mean, it, obviously there's cuts and it's made to look like a wonder. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just a spectacle. Hmm. I have one more platform. Yes, which I'm watching Monday. What, why do you have a set schedule? Um, I watch usually like a movie a day. Oh, and that that's what's that's what's going on next. We're watching platform because you had it on a list for something else that we did. Did I? Or maybe you just mentioned it in a different podcast episode. I'm probably just mentioning. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So wait, did you have it on? Did did we do it for indie films? Maybe, but it wouldn't have been on the list because it was, um, <clears throat> it came out this year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I know you mentioned it before on this show, so. Yeah. All right. I think that's our episode, man. I think it is. Right. Let's do the outro. Hit it. All right, everybody, that concludes today's episode of Babbling with the boys. I'm Spence the Chef. See your boy on Tinder. Give me a little spike. You know what I'm saying? It's been so dry. Oh, my God. I'm so alone. I'm Carl Gervais. And if you see me on Tinder, call the cops right away. That means I've been kidnapped and they forced me to make a Tinder account. Um... It was probably Call the cops. Yeah, it was probably Spencer. Call the cops. Or it's identity theft. Either way, call the cops. Which is, again, probably me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just need to steal Carson's identity so you can get your credit score up. <laughs> all right, all right. Being black um, in North America. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I say we. We we end them right there. We end them right there. Uh I hope you have a good week, guys. I hope you um, just be be nice to yourself and be nice to others. Yeah, please do. And keep it spicy. Spicy!